Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our scripture this week comes from Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 21. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, there in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At the set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, Oh yes, you did laugh. The Lord dealt with Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, whom Sarah bore him. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now Sarah said, God has brought laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, Who would ever have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? This is the question that God asks Abraham and Sarah after hearing Sarah laugh. Why was Sarah laughing? 
because an angel of God just told Abraham that she would bear a child at a hundred years of age. She would carry a baby and her aging body when she gave up on 60 years ago. Upon hearing this news, Sarah did the only thing she knew how out of holy surprise and probably some disbelief. She laughed. Remember with me now the earlier part of Sarah's story from Genesis. Her husband Abraham receives a promise, a gift from God. And what a gift it is. God tells Abraham that his offspring will inherit a new land. A new nation will be born of Abraham, and this nation will be blessed by God and the whole world. The Lord promises Abraham a child, a child whose offspring will number greater than the stars in the sky, God says. What's even more amazing is when they received this gift, Sarah didn't think she could have children. So what a blessing this is from God. Abraham will have a child, what they've always wanted. This is God's plan for their life. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And yet, time goes by month after month, year after painful year, and there is no child. Sarah's plans, they unravel. The title of our new worship series starting today is Unraveled, Seeking God When Our Plans Fall Apart. For the next seven weeks, we will be asking ourselves through worship and a Wednesday night small group and prayer stations, what does happen when the world falls apart? What does it look like to search for God in the gray areas of our lives? How do we press onward when our tightly knit plans unravel into loose threads? These are no doubt questions you've been asking yourself over the last four months. We're going to keep asking them for the foreseeable future. Each week, we'll encounter a biblical story of a character whose life or plans or expectations unravel. Today, we meet Sarah. And much like in our own lives, the unraveling happens for her not just once, but multiple times. First, when God promises that she's going to have a child, and yet she reaches age 100 without having one. Second, when she is 100 years old and God says, surprise, you are pregnant. And then she indeed bears a son, Isaac, whose name means laughter. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? I feel for Sarah. She has plans and expectations. She likes to be in control. I too like plans and clear expectations. I like to be in control of what is and what will be. And Sarah, year after year of not conceiving, she found herself out of control. She lacked patience and a trust in God. She wanted to control her own timing, her own destiny instead. If you're anything like me, this pandemic has you feeling out of control. Plans are shifting and changing constantly, and life doesn't have a lot of resemblance to what we thought or wanted or hoped it would be. Over 140,000 people have died in this country, 
These are people who have friends and family and gifts to offer our world. And the cases and the deaths, they just keep rising. Our world is unraveling. How are we to respond faithfully? Well, for Sarah, when her world is unraveling, she doesn't want to be out of control. She doesn't wait. She doesn't spend time in prayer listening for what God might have her do. No, Sarah takes charge. She makes plans for what she thinks should be happening, what she thinks God's plan should be in her own timing. And conveniently, those plans benefit Sarah, but they end up harming others. Because this is where our story takes a bit of a dark turn. Sarah arranges for her slave, Hagar, to sleep with Abraham, her husband, so that she can bear a child. Sarah's plan works, and Hagar has a son named Ishmael. Now, this plan is quite disturbing to our modern ears. Hagar and slaves like her needed their own Me Too movement. We should reclaim one for them today and the telling of their stories. Because Sarah and Abraham used Hagar's life and her body and her heart to try to get their own way, to control the uncontrollable. And yet, we know the rest of the story. God did intend for Sarah to bear a son. And at a hundred years old, her plans unravel again when God gifts her with her boy, Isaac. Sarah's timing is not God's timing. Sarah's way is not God's way. And when God interrupts her own plans and deeds and expectations, Sarah laughs out of disbelief and holy surprise. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Now you would think that once Sarah got her way, got her own gift from God, her precious son, she would begin to let go of trying to control what happens the need to have things her own way with her expectations. But after Isaac's born, she finds him playing with Ishmael, his half-brother, and Sarah starts to feel threatened by this. So she again turns to cruelty. She turns Hagar and Ishmael out of her house and into the wilderness. Now remember, she's the one who planned for Ishmael's birth. And now she's planning for his death. What is happening to her? She sends them into the desert, into the dry, scorching heat with only enough water to last a few days. She knew that this would be a death sentence. And in the one of the most poignant scenes in all of scripture, Hagar has to leave her beloved son because she cannot bear to watch him die. The problem is not just that Sarah wants to take control. The problem is that she thinks she can control God's gifts, the gift of life, better than God can. As a result, she makes plans that are not hers to make, that benefit her while causing harm to others. When faced with a life that feels like it's unraveling, Sarah chooses to trust herself, to prioritize her own needs more than God and God's people. What does this mean for us? living with the dual pandemics of the coronavirus and systemic racism, the ways that they intersect with each other. Friends, we have to ask ourselves, what is our faithful response today? It is easy and it is tempting to be like Sarah, 
I'm ashamed to say that I am more like her than I want to admit. I think about my needs, my immediate family, threats to my stability or my security first. And I make decisions that benefit me and my loved ones. Now, at first glance, that's not a bad thing. But what we've got to start examining is how and whether those decisions may impact others. What do our choices and decisions have to do with all of God's people, not just my own people? Because a common response right now is to try to deny the reality of both of these viruses, the evils of COVID and of racism, and try to live our lives as if these pandemics just aren't happening or as if they may be affecting others, but not us so much. So we're just gonna go ahead and control our own environments. Some folks are running out of patience, trying to get back to normal before public health experts tell us it is safe, tell us that we should. And as a country, we are not good at sacrifice, at discerning what we need versus what we want and being willing to let go of what we may want for the sake of the larger common good. We idolize individualism, which is ironic because we also pride ourselves on being a Christian nation, people who worship a savior who made the ultimate sacrifice, right? Death on a cross so that we could have life and life abundant, so that death and sin and violence and poverty and oppression that they do not have the final word. So that hope and peace and joy, justice and resurrection, that they win, so that love wins, not for some, but for all. Friends, the least we can do is wear cloth over our faces to protect others. It's a very minor sacrifice. And yet this focus on individual choice and action and control during these past months, it has deathly consequences and they are continuing. The choices we make about engaging and doing the things that we want, those activities that are elective, not wearing masks, gathering in groups, it perpetuates the spread of COVID. Now, it may be that we're exposed, we or those in our family get it and nobody dies. So why should we limit our activity? Why should we make sacrifices? Well, we do this for others because when we gather with people, we contribute to the spread of the virus and other people will die or be hospitalized or people with other ailments will be affected by full hospital. Grady's beds are full right now. In fact, they're at 105% of capacity. This is a crisis. And as community spread continues to increase, which it will, unless we are willing to make sacrifices, to wear masks, to only carry out essential functions, schools won't be safe to open. Churches won't be safe to open. People won't be able to go back to work safely. Our choices to have parties and to socialize with friends and want life just to be normal, so we're going to act as if it is, it's a major reason schools can't open in person this fall. And that's devastating for everybody, but especially for those children who don't have access to internet or three meals a day, parents who can't hire tutors or pay for daycare or work from home to accommodate them. 
And coronavirus is disproportionately affecting people of color. In Georgia, for example, our population is a third African-American, but 50% of COVID cases and deaths are from African-Americans in our state. And people of color are likely to hold essential jobs, be affected by the economic downturn. The historic traumas continue to pile on and pile on. The choices that we are making, they are life and death choices. We've got to ask ourselves, how is God calling us to act? Who are God's people? Who is God's family? Because when we only focus on our own wants, our direct community, our family, we're starting to act a whole lot like Sarah. And we're not taking Jesus' sacrifice seriously. The good news is, our biblical narrative, it does not end with Sarah's plans. Sending Hagar and Ishmael out into the wilderness to die. Hagar and Ishmael are indeed abandoned by Abraham and by Sarah, but they're not abandoned, we find out, by God. Because Sarah's plan is not God's plan. And Sarah's control of God's gift isn't the plan that God had in mind. Because in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, an angel of God appears to Hagar. The angel says to her, do not weep because God has heard Ishmael's cries. When Hagar opens her eyes, she sees a well from which she and Ishmael can drink and live and thrive. The angel tells her that God is always gonna be with her boy. He will never be abandoned. And God not only ensures Ishmael's survival, but promises that he will be the ancestor of a great nation. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And friends, this is where I find my hope these days. In a time when I am admittedly angry, sometimes despairing, tempted towards selfishness, my hope lies in a God who always makes a way out of no way provides a wellspring of water in the middle of the desert, who sees every single person as beloved, especially those who are assaulted or abandoned, who bear the brunt of the choices that people who have power make to harm them. The reality is there is no going back to normal. And the sooner we start to live as if that's true, the better off everyone will be. We can lament this truth. There are lots of griefs tied up in it. We could, like some folks are doing, deny it and keep living our lives like we want to be living them. Taking our cue from Sarah, focusing on our own needs and our own wants. Or, or we could live into God's promise for what a new normal could be. We can say in the midst of unraveling, what has been exposed in this time that we realize needs to die? And what could resurrection look like on the other side? Here's my hope. What if Christians were the leaders in saying, in the midst of unraveling, let's discard what's harmful for others and begin to weave a new world along with God, where the kingdom truly reigns, where schools are no longer segregated, where healthcare isn't tied to employment, where science is not politicized, 
where access to food from children to seniors isn't a privilege, it's a basic right. Where we cared as much about our neighbor who's from a different race or economic status, religion or political party as we did about our own family. What if we saw God's blessedness on Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael, and we lived our lives accordingly? Sacrifice were needed so that everybody can flourish. Because God does have a beloved community where joy and laughter and holy love, life and life abundant, they are a gift, not to a select few, but to all. We can choose to trust God's vision and help bring it about. So friends, let us have faith, not in our own desires, but in God's desires. Let us work for that kingdom that Jesus brings, that place he promises where everybody feasts together at the heavenly banquet table, where pain and mourning and death are no more, and where God promises to wipe away every tear from every eye. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.